0: You're by my perfect fight. my perfect
1: life. Well, hello everybody and welcome to the Word on the Hill. Surprise, <laughs> the Peter, we're recording.
0: Oh, that's great. <laughs> that was, that, such a somber <laughs> uh, yeah. reaction. Guys, it's super exciting to have you here today.
1: It is super exciting. Well, it
0: was really exciting what you just had your introduction just then. You caught me off guard. Man. I know, I tried to. I it thought w- it'd
1: be funny, but it wasn't that <laughs> The reward wasn't as good as when I
0: put into it. Scott, Scott has, a, Scott Powell, he's the other guy talking. I'm not Scott Powell. No, nope. And he's not Peter Muzzat. I no. am Peter Muzzat. No. And Scott has a little bit of a cold today. A little bit. It's all right. That's okay. What are you gonna do, dude? We found we found a, a, a delightful treat. Delightful treat. By the way,
1: uh, this is the word on the hill. We are the Lanky oh, yeah. guys. My oh, name yeah, is Scott yeah. Powell, as you pointed out. Yeah, yeah. and, and I'm, you are Father Peter Moses. Yeah, and none of
0: them are either of us, as yeah, you thanks noted. Be to God, we have personhood. Thanks be to God. <laughs> but yeah, we found a treat that basically is a combination of Lil' Smokies. <laughs> um, it sounds like our new sponsor, <laughs> Slim Jim. <laughs> Slim Dims and and salami like all in one and it's really good. But I'm not going to tell today's you today's show is.
1: brought to you by Johnsonville,
0: little something. What's it called? What is it called? Deli bites. Deli today's bites. show
1: brought to you by Johnsonville Deli Bites
0: <laughs> and, and Bear, Red Bull. And Red Bull. <laughs> that's what we're eating. We're the worst. That sounds
1: terrible, <laughs> dude. You know, you know that is
0: Deli Bites and Red Bulls, dude. That's like America. That is this podcast. That is this podcast today. It's the embodiment. Yeah. Embodiment in the truest sense of yeah. the word. Well, actually, this is appropriate for what we're going to talk about today. Oh, it is. Yeah. Oh, okay. my gosh. So today, our first reading is from the book of Exodus. Hold on. We're in the 18th Sunday of Ordinary Time. Man. It should be noted. This. You know what the problem
1: is? You're... are drinking Red Bull.
0: Really? You drink Red Bull at a constant... <laughs> well, <laughs> this is the thing though is that every once in a while you drink Red Bull and it just turns you ADD you just like you, you just like start thinking of the next thing you're just like oh that thought is boring I'm gonna go on to the <laughs> that next that thought, thought is thought. boring <laughs> that is boring yeah then that's when discipline goes out the window and then yeah. the next thing you know um, 18th Sunday in Ordinary Time this right. is year B year B we're using the Roman Missal you bet for mass yep Okay. And then the first reading that we're going to be doing yep. in this year B, in the okay. 18th Sunday in Ordinary Time, Talk to me. is Exodus 16, verses 2 to 4 and 12 to 15.
1: 12 to 15 and 2 to 4. Good. Uh, our psalm is coming from Psalm 78, or 77 in the Latin Vulgate. <laughs> psalm 78, verses 3 through 4, 23 through 24, 25, and 54. And our response itself is coming
0: from verse 24b. Bing bong. Bing bong. Then our second reading is from Ephesians. Ooh. Chapter four. Oh. We're starting at 17 and taking a little bit of jump, going to 20 to 24, which I'm really bummed about that we took out this. What's the intermediary? Is it good? The intermediary is like super awesome. It would be super helpful for all of us in our (laughs) brains and minds to be renewed. Great, but we're not going to tell you what it is. So moving on to the gospel. (laughs) (laughs) That stinks. Wow, you're a jerk. No, I'm not a jerk. We're not going to tell these people what,
1: what I, we're talking about? The liturgy doesn't tell them. It's not my fault. I'm just being faithful to liturgy.
0: <laughs> All right. Our gospel is
1: coming from... We can tell them. I don't know. Oh, yeah, we can. I don't care. John chapter 6, verses 24 through 35. We're still heavily in the bread of life discourse. Bread of life. And I found out somebody's... I got a, a slurry of emails when we asked the question, Why in year B... When we're studying Mark is all of a sudden John 6 showing up, which yep. we're going to be in for a few weeks. And the common response we got from our listeners is that liturgically speaking, because Mark is the shortest of the Gospels, um, it needs to be supplemented because it is just so short and it's not as long as your A and your C. So we supplement this part of the year where we would be doing Mark's brief account of the bread of life. We're doing John chapter 6 expanded account of all of that to make up for Mark's shortness, brevity.
0: Wow. Does that make sense? Yeah.
1: So that's the answer from our our crowdsourced theological questions. <laughs> crowdsourcing liturgical questions. <laughs> Dude, that's epic. I think that's what went wrong with Vatican II is they crowdsourced liturgical questions. No. <laughs> what do you guys think we should do? Felt banners? Boom. Done. <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs>
0: that was not Vatican II's problem. No, it, it, it was wasn't Vatican res- II. It was, it was crowdsourcing
1: what we should do with Vatican II.
0: That's exactly it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. There. No,
1: I wasn't. Vatican II is is brilliant. <laughs> it's
0: it's the, the yeah. It's the uh, it's the, just what you said.
1: Crowdsourced interpretation of it. Anyway, anyway, but I think our crowd is right. See, it's all the crowd you have. We have a good crowd.
0: Yeah, and you know what? I was listening to Crowded House this week, and <laughs> our house in the middle of the street. So is that there, Crowded House? I think that's Crowded this House. Thing's, no, our house in the middle, middle of, of our street. street. Our, our house. house, our castle, and our keep. That's not. How it goes, is it? Yeah, dude, isn't it? Really? Cra- isn't that crowded house?
1: I don't know. I, it, this is really a superfluous conversation,
0: <laughs> <laughs> dude. You know what the problem is in life? We so, you
1: can't get on task. Um, or is there something else?
0: The 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 um I haven't this really tried to thwart you in a really long time and just really? block everything that you're doing. You <gasps> oh, know? is that what we're doing today? Yeah, that's yeah. What I'm doing. I love those podcasts. I <laughs> love it when it. Okay, okay, let's go.
1: Okay, so um we are in the Exodus. Exodus, Exodus. We jump here too, don't we?
0: Yeah, it was it was a big it was a big jump, but like this is That's the, okay. this is the thing. It's like grumbles, yep, muttering. Yeah, here, talk for a second. I want I'm curious about something. Well, okay, so Moses <laughs> is uh whenever I think about Moses, I think about how um like he really does need to take on the, Today we're recording the podcast on the feast of St. Martha. So I was thinking about how Martha and Moses um, and John the Baptist, like John the Baptist basically like absorbed all of the glory of the Lord and then reflected it back out again, kind of like Moses on the Mount of Sinai.
1: Yeah, today's reading was had to do with Moses just noticing randomly. He's like, oh, crap, I'm glowing. Wasn't it? <laughs> do you catch that in the reading? Yeah. It made me laugh this morning. <laughs> he's like, he noticed he was glowing. <laughs> I'm glowing. He's like, oh, I'm glowing. <laughs> um, and I believe, so this reading comes after that. Oh, of course it does because he's already received. No, it doesn't. I think our reading for the Sunday is prior to Moses glowing. Yeah, because th- th- at this point that our Sunday reading is taking us, they've just come out of Egypt. They've just crossed the Red Sea. They're 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 nowhere close to the Promised Land. So they've just cr- stop doing that. Father Peter's making a weird face and eating his microphone.
0: No, that I, is an expensive
1: I mean, microphone. You don't mess with that.
0: It's actually the pop screen that I'm eating.
1: Don't eat the pop screen. I going a grant for that. <laughs> you can put that in the grant report. It's delicious. <laughs> um. Yeah so anyway so they've just crossed the red sea. They are in the wilderness and they're in I mean here this is this is the common human reaction to freedom. We are free of our oppression, we want it back. Right? Cuz this is uncomfortable. Cuz freedom chain, is never chains,
0: comfortable. Chains are easier than freedom actually. Chains
1: are actually easier than freedom. Because we have this misunderstanding of freedom being freedom from, but freedom is always a freedom for something. So they and are now free to worship. To worship the one true God, who is apparently, at least in their case, a little more difficult to worship because he can't be seen. He's dangerous. He's leading them across oceans. I mean, he's doing all this stuff. It's a little more dangerous than the big stationary golden calves. And all sorts of things that are back in <laughs> Egypt, which are just safer. There's a big statue I can look at and worship to my god. That's easy. But right. now I've got this pillar of fire and pillar of smoke that are telling me to do these things that sound pretty risky and actually kind of stupid in a lot of ways. And I'm supposed to cross this. I'm supposed to do what?
0: <laughs> yeah, totally. I'm I'm,
1: I'm I'm. reminded of my favorite line from the Chronicles of Narnia. Do you remember in uh, the, the first? Chronicles the Chronicles of what? Narnia. Chronic what? Chronicles okay. of Narnia. <laughs> oh, yeah. Almost. Yeah. But remember when the the children are talking to the beaver fan, the beaver couple and they're they they start describing this lion Aslan who's and they're like you know he's he's good he's this lion and the kids are like wait a second he's a lion though that kind of, sounds kind of freaky is he safe And you remember Mister Beaver's response he says no of course he, he's a lion of course he isn't safe but he's good right. And so this is the idea. The faith isn't safe, as we're all hopefully learning as we move forward in this period of of culture. It's not safe, but it's good. Mm -hmm. The God we're following is not safe. And that's what I think they're experiencing in a very real way. This is not safety. This is not the safety of our chains and our slavery, where at least we had beds and at least we had the flesh pots to eat on and all this stuff. Now we're having to trust him and all these things, and there's people chasing us, and there's seas parted, and it's crazy.
0: It was really funny, I, I went camping by myself the uh, the other day, just I needed to get away, and, I, get and away. I, I forgot my camp pad, like my bed, so I literally had to sleep on gravel, which is a really kind of crazy adventure, like your your hips hurt, and then you have to realize, like and your shoulder, because you're like, oh man, at least it was level, but then oh. I'm just thinking about these cats, they're having to sleep in, in basically like rugs on sand, basically like i mean this was not easy this is this was really tough and i'll tell you when all your consolations go away what what do you do you look to the most basic things for consolation i mean worldly consolations mm. and food i will tell you you, you, I saw it at the beginning of Camp Waitiwa Everybody kind of, and they're in camp now. All of a sudden, they're sleeping in the wilderness, and yeah. you could see that there was this kind of experience around food. Oh, where it was like, I need food that yeah. will make me feel good, <laughs> right? And and it's like, well, no, not really. Like, uh, but but e- but to even be separated from that, so we're seeing that in this in this Exodus moment where they've really been, you know, set free from luxury. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and they n- now they're they're actually living in in some scarcity and okay and, but i have a question grumble. but i have i have a confusing
1: question hit me so part of this i know the answer to but part of it i don't I, I don't think anybody knows the full answer to this but i want to pose the question so so yeah they come out they're they're ticked off would we, would that we have died at the lord's hand in the land of egypt this is terrible um so they're grumbling they're hungry they're mad and i'm trying to figure out exactly where it ends and where it picks up because it is split right they're hangry they are totally hangry. Um, <laughs> follow my instructions. Oh, okay, good. Yeah, so then the Lord said to Moses, I will now rain down bread from heaven for you. Each day the people are to go out and gather their daily portion. Thus I will test them to see if they will follow my instructions or not. Um, and that's when... Uh, Oh, gosh, Father. Okay, so here's my question. Here's here's the deal. Let's read the rest of this. I have heard the grumbling of the Israelites. Tell them in the evening twilight you shall eat flesh. In the morning you shall have your fill of bread so that you may know that I, the Lord, am your God. In the evening quail came and covered the camp. In the morning a dew lay about the camp, and when the dew evaporated on the surface of the desert, there were fine flakes like hoarfrost on the ground. Upon seeing it, the the Israelites asked one another in Hebrew. What did they ask one another? Do you know the Hebrew word is for what they ask? No. This is great. They said manna, which means. What is it? What is it? That's the literal translation of the term manna. So they go out and they're like, manna, (laughs) what the the heck is this? And uh, because they did not know. And Moses said, this is the bread the Lord has given you to eat. Here's the thing, though. God tells them, God tells Moses that they're going to be given bread to eat. They are ticked off. They're mad. They're complaining. They're wanting to go back to Egypt. They're whining. And God says, all right, fine. I hear you're whining. Here's some stinking bread. (laughs) He probably doesn't have that tone. You know, he's like, you're grumbling. You're whining. Fine, here. And they're like, what the heck is this? Like, they're not necessarily excited about this. And then eventually, remember, it keeps coming, and they don't know what to do with it. And they're trying to find all the different recipes for manna. And and banana bread. Banana bread and manakati and (laughs) manawich. Remember, man, witches. Oh, man, witches! <laughs> mana witches. Um, the rest of those I stole from Jeff Caven's, but mana witch is my own.
0: Hey, well, well played.
1: In a certain sense, it's always been believed that the manna was a kind of a punishment. Not that God didn't want to feed them, but that they they're grumbling, they're mad, they're whiny, and they get this thing that maybe isn't what God's first plan for them was. God says, "I want to feed you with abundance. I want to give you the stuff." And eventually, they have quail. Remember, they eat so much quail. There's quail coming out of their nostrils and all that stuff.
0: Which, uh, man, that's a lot of quail.
1: And they do very quickly get sick of the mana because it's just it it doesn't sound like it's that good. It's just it's all they've got. But you do, I think, you get the sense that God actually wanted more for them. They wouldn't accept. They wouldn't be patient. They wouldn't trust God with what he wanted to do. So he gives them sort of what they want in that moment, which is sort of kind of the story of the whole Old Testament. They're like, we want a king like the other nations. He's like, no, I want to give you a different kind of a king. They're like, no, we want this. And he's like, fine, here's Saul, who's a poop head, right? I mean, isn't that sort of the theme of the Old Testament? God wants the ideal. They demand something less than the ideal. And God says, fine, have your own way and see what it brings you. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's where this first reading is sort of related in a big way to the Gospels because then we get to the Gospel and we kind of get the full flourishing of what God has wanted to do. I'm not saying God would have given them the Eucharist in the story of the Exodus, but I just get this sense that he wanted more for them than just the manna. Right. And I don't, I, I don't, I'm, it, I, that sounds like a risky thing to say because I'm not trying to downplay what God has done in this miracle. Well, th-
0: this is- but you do get a sense that God's like, fine, here. Yeah, well this is the weird this is the weird part about what you're talking about spiritually. Like he will satisfy our desires but they will f- point still. Yes. Like this is the thing is that the manna in the desert actually becomes in in retrospect Uh, actually a profound gift and they're like oh my gosh how could we have survived without manna right like without what it is what is it without this quail how could we have actually lived we got 40 years in a place that is barren do they ever say that though do they ever actually come to that
1: conclusion this is part of the problem with not just the Israelites, but with us how often do we actually look back and like wow god's providence really did save me there yeah or do we just move on to the next thing to complain about because that's the story of the israelites they just get fed up and they move on to the next thing they want to complain about.
0: Yeah. Murmured. The whole community. Yeah. But the
1: idea that God wants to... I, I, I don't know. What if they hadn't murmured? What if they hadn't complained? What if they'd have simply said, Moses, how is God going to take care of us? Like, what, what's he going to do? Ask God to help us. Instead of whining "Me, like, let's go back to Egypt, you jerk. This was a terrible idea. Your God is worthless. What if they'd have said... God help us. Or Moses, ask God to
0: help us. Well, this is the thing that would I... it
1: been di- Would it have been different?
0: Yeah. Uh, well, I think about the refining. So like gold refinement. So whenever anything gets mixed in with a... Me- well, it, as metals come up... And they're they're in an ore form. So you melt them down and then there's just stuff in the midst of there's little pebbles, there's rocks, there's admixture as gold is in the earth, you mine it, mm. then you heat it up and then you start to pull out the slag. and then you heat it up at different temperatures and you can get different metals, different minerals out of it. And so yeah. in a certain sense, like what's happening is that I think part of the 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 wilderness experience for Israel is that he pulls them out into the desert so that he can pull the slag of Egypt out. So what, what mm. ends up happening? Well, first we see them the gods they come out and then they're like oh no this is bad. This is going to be a reality. We need to actually be purified from this Oh, our our obsession with food and luxury. This actually needs to be uh, melted out. It needs to be brought out, and the only way to be able to do that is to actually do, is, is to have that come to the surface, acknowledge that openly in its reality in the heart. Hmm and then and then and, and then huh. give a medicine for it it's like how, how can you actually have a medicine until you know what the ailment is and yeah. and that ailment was going to be with i mean it was in them it's, it, it, the whole community it says yeah. so it's not like it's just mm-hmm. one person it's the whole community got infected with this luxuriousness yeah. where where the the medicine for it was this manna and these things but God actually needed it to come to the surface. And so I think that we we can't be afraid of the fact when the cross comes, when the, the horror comes because out of that is actually when medicine can be distributed. Yeah, so mm, so so maybe even just not even looking at this as as a plan B. I mean, like that would have been awesome if they were. It, it, I think it might have actually even been just plan A that the Lord is saying, no, I know what's in you. I yeah. love you, and I'm going to actually administer this discipline. And and at first, it's going to seem horrible. Yeah. Um. But that this and this discipline is is going to be bad. But from this, this is the only way you're going to be able to learn to be in abundance again right. is by being set free from uh fr- from the abundance that you're coming from cuz he's about to send him to like the fertile valley. I mean, we're we're entering back into the promised land where they I mean, they talk about grape clusters as big as humans, you know? Right.
1: Yeah, as big as humans? I don't remember. Does that, is that they actually say that?
0: I don't remember. I just, I just I just I just have images in my mind of like two dudes carrying a cluster of grapes as big as them.
1: I just picture a grape that's like the size of a volleyball. Dude, that would be
0: <sighs> that would make winemaking very it would be easy.
1: so messy. There'd be so much it's, juice flying.
0: It'd be sticky. That sounds be, terrible. It'd be like eating watermelon, which I saw somebody carve a dragon's head out of a watermelon the other day. I hate watermelon, but that's a story for another time.
1: Yeah, so let's keep going. Um, so that takes us to the psalm. And this, Okay, Here, here's, here's the other thing that raises – oh, I just don't know. Yeah, I mean, I don't want to say uh, – uh, God always has more for us. Uh, it's not that the manna wasn't what he wanted to give them. But there was more. He doesn't want our grumbling, and and our grumbling, our complaining, always closes us off to the more that
0: God wants to give us. But wouldn't you rather your kids be honest with you, even if it's bad? than... oh shoot, you're right. Th- to have the true uh, eliciting of their hearts and deal with that in a, in a we- in, in the awkwardness and difficulty of that, then is to that have what they're placated? doing, though?
1: Is that what they're doing though? Or are they just saying screw this? Let's get out. Let's go back.
0: Well, I think that they're honestly afraid. No, that's you're right. I think that they're honest. I mean, I'm afraid when I get, when I get into that zone where like all of a sudden I'm, I'm getting whittled down either in material, in food, in spirit, like those, those are real lessons. And the only way the Lord can teach me them is when I am really put to the guns, you know?
1: Yeah. I know
0: that's, it's, it's, you're
1: right. It's true. Yeah, no, that's true. Okay. Well, here's what I have to say about the Psalm.
0: Okay. Um, what it's, we stru- get
1: struggle struggle with. It, I am struggling they, with it. They,
0: these are these are really hard concepts that I think spiritually to deal with.
1: Well, I'm struggling with it because they these both we know from the story of salvation history, and we know from what the Psalms and the prophets all tell us that both of these things are present. That the Israelites are are actually not doing what's appropriate. They're, right. They are sinning against God. Totally. I mean, yeah, uh, that's where, that's where I'm struggling sin. because God doesn't want us to sin. But that's that's where I'm struggling with this is because both of these things are actually true simultaneously. God wants our honesty. But where does honesty turn into just being a jerk? I, I don't know.
0: It's like how do you order the passions? How, like how do you not just try to manipulate God?
1: Well, but here's the thing. Are they being honest with God or are they just saying this God doesn't even exist? Do you know what I mean? There's a difference between like Elijah or or who oh, I'll struggle with God Abraham you know talking Jacob. to God Jacob saying God what are you doing this is ridiculous I'm really frustrated right and saying you know what I'm frustrated therefore this god doesn't exist which is kind of our default position sometimes as human beings and Christians right we 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 kind of have the the two often default positions of either okay stru- suffering has happened in my life right so I have one of two responses I'm either going to Reject God and say there's there cannot possibly be a God that would allow this to happen. Therefore. I am not believing in any God, right? Or Like you alluded to maybe what's worse is just being placated and like I'm just gonna go through the motions Because I don't trust this God. I don't I don't have any feelings So I'm gonna go through the motions. I'm gonna put on a nice smiley happy face, right? I'm gonna go to mass I'm gonna do my thing but deep down I'm not I don't I think this is all BS You know what I mean? Yeah, Yeah, those are kind of the two most common reactions neither of which God wants
0: Right. It's, it's how do you remain in the place of suffering Yeah, with, with having the passions ordered because the passions are still going to be there. I'm still going right. to be mad that I'm in the desert, but I don't have to grumble. But again, this is Abraham. He yells at God. And I
1: think God would much rather have us yell at him than grumble behind his back or complain about him or just turn off our minds. You know what I mean? Right. Speak to him. That's what I would rather my kids do is speak to me, you know, right. actually talk, And we, I, we try to instill that. I mean, we'll see if it works, you know, but say, look, if you think something we're doing is wrong or unfair or just bad, like tell us and we'll talk about it and we'll work through it, you know, but that's a hard thing to do. It's easier it to grumble. So, okay. So all that being said, we have Psalm 78, which the thing that disturbs me about Psalm 78 is that in the liturgy, what we get this Sunday is all of the positive parts of a psalm that's actually very negative, <laughs> which is just interesting. Which
0: is funny, given our, given our conversation. Well,
1: that, that's the point, though, and that's what made me think about it. So the Lord gave them bread from heaven, and he goes on, what have we What have we heard? No, what have our fathers declared to us? What will we declare to the generations to come? The glorious deeds of the Lord, his strength, he commanded the sky, so he opened the doors of heaven, Rained manna upon them, gave them the bread of the angels, sent in abundance, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, Psalm 78 is actually a pretty long psalm. And it basically, it's kind of a poetic summary of all of Exodus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, <laughs> and a big part of Joshua, Judges, and 1 Samuel. Whoa. But, so it's retelling a big chunk of salvation history, but it's retelling this chunk of salvation history basically by, basically by showing how terrible the Israelites were. <laughs> During all of it. And there's this this line from the psalm, but they sinned even more against him by rebelling against the Most High in the wilderness. How often they provoked him in the wilderness and grieved him in the desert. Yes, again and again, they tempted God. They limited the Holy One of Israel. They didn't remember his power the day when he redeemed them from the enemy, etc., etc. So we get all the kind of nice highlights, but overall, the, Psalms, the psalm is saying, even though God did all this, they still rejected it. They still spit in his face. You know, they still... Etc. Etc. So, and maybe that's the beauty of these readings this week is we have, (laughs) bless you. Thank you. We have this interesting balance of of humans just being poopheads, which we are, right, and God being faithful despite, right, right. I mean that that's kind of the. Thanks be to God. Well, thanks be to God. Yeah, of course. And and human being. I mean, I think what reads us leads us to the gospel is God's providence and human beings just not understanding what that means.
0: Well, well, this is the thing is that is <coughs> that it's it's not even just so black and white that it's the Lord uses our stubbornness and our hard heartedness for His glory. Yeah, that's true. That's like like yeah, He yeah. takes up He takes it all up in the mystery. It's not permission to do it. Right. But that. It, but in the long run, he is ma- he is Lord. Yeah, and he can take up the worst sin in the universe and, and turn it, it into glory.
1: Look at Saint Paul. Look at Saint Augustine. Look at you! Shut, oh, up, shut up, jerk! <laughs> hey, I'm just kidding. Uh, hey, Sorry. You should, yeah. I shouldn't have told a priest to shut up. <laughs> <laughs> Talk
0: on it. That's okay. He'll burn for it.
1: No, look at me. Seriously, you can't <laughs> say. <it. laughs> My God!
0: Come on! Sh- I'm f- I'm a funny guy. There's
1: some old lady just
0: shocked listening to a radio right now. You <laughs> <God>. like, know. <gasps> Father Peter. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I didn't um, did mean to be funny.
1: Gosh, I'm just... Yeah. I mean, yeah. I I don't know. I'm really, I'm really struggling with this. This idea that God... I mean, but just struggling as a parent. I mean, you desperately want to lead your kids to this wonderful thing. I mean, you know, I was I was hiking with my kids the other day last week, and I was taking them up to this this like secret waterfall I know about. This it. just this beautiful. It's off this trail, nobody knows about it. It's this the most beautiful. I'm not telling you guys where it is, but this most beautiful waterfall. And it was, it was like a 10 minute hike up this thing, but you know, there's this, they just were constantly like, no, we don't want to go. We're too tired. Our packs are too heavy. And they're just like pulling my hand the other direction. I'm like, no, just trust me. It's right up here. Your minds are going to be blown. Just trust me on this. And the whole time they're just pulling. They're like, we hate hiking. We hate everything. We hate you. You know, just all, <laughs> you're like, oh my gosh, just trust me. It's a little bit hard. And then we finally got there and they're like, oh, this is the most amazing place we've ever seen, you know. But I mean, this is this is the struggle. Like, what do you? Do? This is this is God saying, "Hey, I know it's a little bit hard, but trust me on this." This, and, is,
0: this is Ephesians. I, I well, have, this is Ephesians. This is a good segue. Th- you must no longer walk as the Gentiles walk in the futility of their mind. I told my kids that I was like, "Stop walking like Gentiles." <laughs> <laughs> that, was, that wasn't funny. <laughs> I thought that was funny. Stupid. Which uh, they we skipped in um, Ephesians. We skip. Mm, we go yeah. from seventeen to twenty. I'm going to read eighteen and nineteen for you, okay. just so you know what they skipped. So we know. Um, so, uh, now I affirm, and this is 17. Now I affirm and testify in the Lord that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles walk in yep. the futility of their minds. And by Gentiles, we simply mean unbelievers. That's what Paul is meaning by that. Right. They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to their hardness of heart. Woo. They have become callous and have given themselves up to licentiousness, greedy to practice every kind of uncleanness. That's what that's what they cut out of Ephesians. My goodness. I'm like, oh, man, this is the good stuff. Well, okay, here's where
1: uh, you don't want to get into this necessarily. But I mean, there's the simple reality. I mean, here's the thing you go. I don't know why I'm dancing around this, but you go back to the first reading. You see what the Israelites want more than anything is to go back to Egypt and start worshiping the gods that they are comfortable worshiping. Okay. But the thing about it, and we know this from the whole golden calf incident in chapter 32, it's not just, oh, here's a big statue of a cow. I'm comfortable worshiping that because I can see it and it's this tangible thing. The worship that went along with it was was very uh, lustful. Overeating, lustful, drunkenness. I mean, these pleasures of the flesh just, just horrible stuff. So you can't, it, it's unfair for us to kind of read through this, especially the first reading and be like, oh, you know, it's just really hard. They want to go back to where it's comfortable and they had soft beds. Yeah, to a certain degree, but also no, we want to go back to this kind of wild lifestyle. We want to go back to this kind of worship, this God, this God you're making us follow. I mean, he's demanding sobriety from us and, and you know, in a, certain, in a very real, I don't mean Drunkenness, but I mean in this sense, we're in the desert, there's there's hardships. He's demanding this stuff. We want the comforts. We want I don't care if there's chains around my arms for it. Right. I want to do whatever feels good because that's what you know. I mean, this is what they're begging for, which is where the church in her great wisdom sees Ephesians actually fitting in a unique way. Is that what we want is to go back to these pleasures of the flesh in a lot of ways. I mean, this is this is we want consolation, especially at those moments in our life when you don't feel the constant when you're like Israel and you're like man I know this is what God has sort of asked me to do but it's cold and dark and lonely out here and right. i just want to go back to where you know things felt good right you know where there was this kind of food and this kind of drink and this pleasures and all this stuff and yeah. he's like no you can't do that you can't go back there because because it's actually not who you are anymore.
0: Well, I you know, I was I was a uh, I was just camping and I came home a little bit early because I was like I cannot endure the sun another day. <laughs> it's been hot. I and I was like I was like the sun is really hot. Think about 40 oh. years in the desert. It's just sun. Well, this is Colorado sun. Then we're talking about Sinai Peninsula sun. And and like and, mean, and imagine I, and I'll tell you 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 try you're like, "Oh, I'll go in my tent for some shade." no it's a freaking oven so right. so basically you're hanging out in the sun all the time it's raw it is really the, the, the like there's a profound difficulty so you, yeah. so so that's it's the extremes it's like oh man it's like just totally like shade and licentiousness and greediness yeah. and then all of a sudden the other side which is just totally raw unabandoned rock bottom you know yeah. Yeah. and and you can't last in either situation. Yeah. But if you're not faithful in one, you're not going to be faithful in the other. In the other. And, yep. and so then it's how do you learn, like St. Paul, he says, I know how to deal in all of these extremes and right. become faithful. Right. And that's actually what we're called to in the midst of this. And so be renewed in the spirit of your minds. So yeah. you have to put off the old man, which belongs to the former ways of life and is corrupt through deceitful lusts. Mm-hmm and then you put on the new man created after the likeness of God and true righteousness and holiness it's just, which mm. is it, that that's the, it's, it's just like oh okay it's so easy to slip in and to think that but of course if you're living there it's horrible it's not good it, it, it has its own punishment if you're living right. in total wilderness it's hard it's rough and it has its own punishment it's, yeah. it, but it's all like yeah. but the lord does not intend to leave us in either one of those places yeah unless that's your call
1: Yeah, that's true. Okay. So, so here's what I want to know how this fits into the gospel, because I think it does. And I'm hearing what you're saying. And I think there's something here. So uh, we're picking up in John six. This is shortly after was last week, the feeding of the 5000. Yep. Yeah, because we had the Elijah reading. So he's just fed these huge crowds, right? Um, and then all of a sudden, when the crowd saw that neither Jesus nor his disciples were there, somehow they slipped away without anybody noticing. Because, well, okay, first of all, so the crowd noticed that Jesus and his disciples were gone. How did they not notice that Jesus and his disciples were gone? They were asleep. No, were they? Does it say they were asleep? No, I, I don't know. Because I, I, I have I, a theory on this.
0: I um, think about it. What has Jesus just done? They had given thanks. Uh, um, okay, so then. Uh, they were not there. Um, The next day, the crowd that was on the other side of the sea. Was it the next day already? Yeah. They they saw Uh, that the boats were, uh, other were not there except the one that had not entered with the disciples. His Jesus got into the boat. Okay. I have a theory on this. Okay. I
1: could be totally wrong. So just bear with me. Jesus, the day before, right? I think it's the day before. Okay. Just multiplied all these loaves and fishes. right? Right. Tons of bread. They're hungry. Jesus fed them. There's 12 baskets left over. There's all this extra food. Right. I imagine all these people eating their fill of the bread, eating their fill of the fishes. The next day, there's still leftovers. They're still eating. They're still having fun. They're still enjoying the food. And then all of a sudden, there's no more food because they ate all the leftovers. And then what do they do? They look up from the food that they had been singularly um, focused on. Ooh. And they're like, where's the guy that gave us all the food? Yeah. You know what I mean? Uh They've taken their attention totally off of Jesus and his disciples for that matter because they've been so um, laser focused on the food and their bellies and how they're being cared and and
0: Hmm.
1: the the desires of their bodies, right, that are being filled, which is a good thing. That's not a bad thing. Right. But they've lost sight of actually everything that's going on around him, Mm -hmm. uh, around them. And now I wonder, I just wonder if now the food's gone and it's all run out and they're like, we're hungry again. Where's that guy? That gave us stuff. We have to find him. Because that's sort of what Jesus says, isn't it? Right. You're looking for me because you're hungry again. Because I I gave you a bunch of bread to eat. Not because of who I actually am. And that's sort of what... um, I don't know, it echoes in a lot of ways, I think, that first reading. I mean, because God, by the time he gives them the manna, he's already performed the Passover. He's already set them free. He's already done all these mighty signs and wonders in Egypt. He's already separated the Red Sea. He's already destroyed the Egyptian army. He's already done this. He's already done all of these things to fulfill their physical needs. And I think the thing that's so troubling about the first reading is not just that they're hungry and hot and exhausted and all these things. Yeah, they, they are, and that's legitimate. It's the fact that they're hungry and hot and exhausted without any sight, without any idea of the fact that God has always provided for us in the past. Right. And he's always done these things. Right. And now all of a sudden, my stomach's grumbling a little bit, and I'm ticked off. And I don't care about any of this stuff anymore. I don't care about any of the stuff that God did. Let's just go back because this is lame because my stomach's grumbling. Right. And now you have a bunch of people who have seen Jesus' mighty works. They've been fed by Jesus, but their stomachs are grumbling again. And it's not that they're going to go home and be like, I have to tell you about this guy I met or reflect on the encounter. They just have to find him again because their bellies are grumbling. Mm-hmm. That, that's sort of what I'm seeing here. And, and I, I think it's funny. They came to Capernaum looking for Jesus, which I think Capernaum is on the western um, uh, side of the, the Sea of Galilee, I believe. I think that that's right. And they found him across the street, <laughs> across the sea. They're like, hey, Rabbi, when did you get here? Where have been looking for you? Where where'd you go? And Jesus answered them and said, amen, amen, I say to you, you are looking for me not because you saw signs, but because you ate the loaves and were filled. You're hungry again.
0: That's why you're looking for me, because your bellies are grumbling. Right? Like, but work for the food that endures to eternal life, not the food that perishes. Right. So he's, So I like your theory. I, yeah, and I, I don't know. Um. But he goes on, da, 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 the food the, for
1: eternal life. Um, and the father said, him we will to the works of God. And they said to him, what sign can you do that? We may believe in you or what can you do? Isn't that a ridiculous line? He says all these things. He's just multiplied 5,000 people's worth of bread.
0: Well, here, men. here before Jesus says to him, and this is actually, I think that, that like, this is an essential aspect of my spiritual life right here is, is uh, verse 29. This is the work of God. That you believe in him whom he has sent. Right. That's the work that we do. Yeah. Like, like it's actually work to try to believe in Jesus. You know what the, the Greek
1: word there is? No. Well, it's actually the no, it's the Greek word. For work. Um, it's the word liturgia. Where we get liturgy, which actually means a work. That, actually the word liturgia was a was a public work. Like the garbage man was performing a liturgia. So the idea is the liturgy for the early church is actually something that we do. We actively have to give ourselves back to this. This is the work that we're supposed to accomplish. Does that make sense? Does that have anything
0: to do with anything? It's Aragon, actually. it? Is? Yeah. he's. Oh, I said. thought it was liturgy. Yeah. Um, um, Kai oh, epen well. autois tutu estin to tu ergon, oh, I thought it was and, and, and said to them, "This is the ergon work of uh. God that you believe in the one whom He sent." Fair enough. There is a context that liturgia can be used for work, but never mind. Yeah, yeah. Like it's it's just deed and action. Like I I, uh, I I only want to be specific on that. Part, no, no, it's important. Partly because like uh, like if liturgia was the was the essence of the work, then then like the, then belief would flow primarily from the liturgy when in fact, oh, right, actually right, right. our belief it's flows the, toward, towards, towards yeah. liturgy. Yeah. Um, it, it's, yep. it, it's, it's like, um, cause why were we set free? We were set free to worship the Lord in the desert mm-hmm. and, and and so, but I'm not going to worship unless I believe. And I think that that's where this this really difficult thing is: is that the belief that Israel had was in these gods before, even like they believed that that was going to actually help them. The lusts, the 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 uh, vanities, the greed, these these sorts of things, they believed that that was where their medicine was. Yeah. Um, in their drunkenness rather than in this, in this reality of, of being able to say, no, it's in sobriety. It's in, um, the intentionality of saying, no, God, how are you working? It's in the Psalm that we're singing today.
1: Yeah. Well, here's, I think the, what I think is the capstone to this whole thing. And I was thinking about it as I read it because it's, well, I'll tell you in a minute. So Jesus responds to them and he says, amen, amen, I say to you, um, he talks about, um, Yeah, what sign can you do? Our ancestors ate manna in the desert. So what sign are you going to do? If you want us to believe in you, then show us. You know, our ancestors, there was manna from heaven. Moses did that. (laughs) I mean, not to mention the fact that he's already done this. Yeah. Um, And he says, no, no, no. It wasn't Moses who gave you the bread. It was my father. It was God. Moses didn't have anything. I mean, yeah, he was there. I mean, he's an important figure. But God gave you this bread. My father, for the bread of God is that which comes down from heaven, which gives life to the world. And they said to him, sir, give us this bread always. And I was struck by that sentence, sir, give us this bread always. Do you know who says almost the exact same sentence? Does that sound familiar to you? It's about a chapter from now. Yeah. Isn't it, sir, give us this water always? Yes, the for, woman at the well. Uh, yeah. Who, and he's describing the water that, you know, never, never, you don't have to refill. And she says, sir, give me this water always. What's interesting is that as they say this to Jesus, remember, they're just hungry. Their, their tummies are grumbling. And they're like, oh, that sounds great. There's like they're totally missing everything he's saying. And they're like, yeah, give us this bread always. Jesus says to them, I'm the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never hunger, and he who believes in me will never thirst. It's at this point, that's where our reading ends, but it's at that point that Jesus launches into... The the heart of what we call the bread of life discourse, where he talks about you, if you really want this, you must eat my flesh, literally gnaw on it and, and drink my blood and do all these things. And at the end of the story, all these people who have just asked him, sir, give us this bread always. When he describes what the bread is, they've all rejected him or most of them have right, gone away. Right. Sad. The difference is, and I think what John's brilliance is, in, is that about a chapter from now, in chapter seven, then you have this woman at the well, who asks him this this you know sinner woman who's, um, uh, is it chapter eight? Or is it later? now I can't remember I, where I she don't is. Know. But regardless, you have this woman who's who's caught in sin. She's got these multiple husbands, all these different things. She's an outcast. She's an outsider. She says the exact same things, Jesus says similar words to her, I am the water, you know, I am the source of all these things. And she believes and she tells everyone her village and the whole village is transformed, right? It's the juxtaposition to what's happening here. Some people, and this is sort of John's point, there are some who will hear the word of God and respond to it, and there's some who will hear the word of God and reject it. There's some who will follow merely their tummies. There were some who will follow Jesus himself. I mean, this woman at the well had every reason, I mean, again, heat of the day, middle of the desert, wanting water, probably desperately thirsty, realizes, no, my stomach's not what's most important. It's the words that are coming this out of, out of this person's lo- lo- uh, mouth. This this person incarnate, that's what's important. These disciples are stuck only on their bellies. And that's sort of the theme of these readings, I think, as a whole. We are people who want to be led by our bellies. We are people who want to be led by our appetites, by our desires, by the things that will make us feel good. God is calling us and saying, look, those things are good, and I'm going to provide those. I'm going to give you manna from heaven. I'm going to give you bread to feed 5,000 men. I'm going to do all of that, but then I'm going to ask you to come a step further than that. You can get your water. You can get your bread. You can have those things, but I want to take you deeper. I don't want to leave you there. And the common response, the response of the Israelites, the response of these people here in the gospel, the response of a lot of people surely in Ephesians is, no, we want to stay right here. We want to be fed with our earthly desires, but we don't want to go any further than that. And the challenge of these readings is, are we willing to go outside of that? Are we willing to be a little bit more uncomfortable? Are we willing to take that extra hot, hungry, desert, lonely step into faith, into the darkness, and actually trust that God's going to take us by the hand and actually pull us on? Mm. There was a, one of our, our counselors up at Camp Boy 2, wrapping everything up up there. And she was sharing a little bit just kind of during one of our debriefs about the week or about the the summer for her. And she said there was this point in the summer where she reached the end of her rope. And it's hard work up there. I mean, they live out in the wilderness. They're serving. They're pouring themselves out. And she said she's a tough girl. She was like, I remember the moment that I reached the end of my rope and I was just ready to pull my hair out and I just couldn't take it anymore. And she was like, it was in that moment when I reached the end of my rope that I realized that at the end of my rope, there was actually more rope. Hmm. And that God actually provided, where mine ended, God actually had more rope that he'd sort of tied onto it that could actually continue on. And what I thought was the end of my rope because of God's grace was actually not. Hmm. And it was this beautiful moment for her of, of realizing, look, I thought I'd spent all that I had. I thought I'd made myself as uncomfortable as I possibly could, but then God's grace stepped in and I realized I could do much more. And that's what these readings, I think, are ultimately calling us to. To go to the end of our rope and then go a little bit further. Yeah. Because God's grace is going to give us more. I, I just loved that metaphor.
0: That was really beautiful. But that's what's being asked of us here. And that, and that's our, and that is our work. Yeah. Is to, is to go and to spend and to die and to believe that the resurrection. Yeah. To believe that in the one whom the Lord, who sent the Lord. I, um, I was, I was looking at the sunrise, um, uh, while I was camping and, uh, and, I uh, it got, you know, at the the first parts of the sunrise, you're like, this is beautiful. The hmm. clouds are illuminated. You're like, this is great. yeah And then the sun comes in. You're like, I can't look at the sun. <laughs> I can't, I can't <laughs> yeah. do it anymore. Yeah. So, and, and then, but then, but then I sat behind a tree and now all of a sudden I had the silhouette of the tree. And it made the sun and everything that the sun illuminated intelligible. And I thought, this is a little bit like Christ. Wow. This is like, he shows Mm. us the father and how the father is illuminating all things because we cannot endure the father without mediation. Right. And... And so, and, and, and to believe that, and then to, these are all the patternings that help us to actually be able to be right. in, to have it be intelligible to say, oh yes, we can go to the very end and the Lord is faithful. We yeah. can die and the Lord will raise us up. I can go to literally right. to the end of my rope into to the point of death yeah. and the Lord is still faithful. That's like it. you have no idea how, how deep the rabbit hole goes, how high the rope will lay, let us climb. Like, right. like how, how bright the glory of God is. Yeah, in absolutely. this mediated reality of the bread that came down from heaven. So. Absolutely. Y'all, thanks for joining us. Boom.
1: Boom. That's what we got.
0: Dude, we will be back next week. I with had the a fun podcast with you today. I had a fun podcast. With you a today. Fun podcast.
1: It was kind of hard. We had to work through some stuff. Yeah. Not you and I, but. I mean, you know, yeah, well, you and I a little bit. But not like. I mean, I, I wasn't going to punch you or anything. I think you wanted to. It's just a little bit. You're half, half really low right now. It's <laughs> like you're ready for a fight. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, we'll be ready for a fight next week on a brand new episode <laughs> of The Word on the Hill. Uh, send us an email, find us on Facebook, um, tweet about us if you like, and we will see you then. Keep it real. Bye-bye. The Word on the Hill is a production of the Aquinas Institute for Catholic Thought here in beautiful Boulder, Colorado, www.thomascenter.org. You can also send us an email at lankyguys at
0: thomascenter.org. See you next week.